Hello everyone, welcome to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay and Carolyn Barnett, sponsored by the Wordhouse Incorporated, Focus Consultation Services, as well as Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. Carolyn! <laughs> I'm going to ask you this question in a few podcasts or broadcasts. How's life? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I remembered what it was, by the way. I had something I was trying to think of. Life is good because God is good. So I woke up this morning and I surprised myself by choosing to um, see the good. And so I had some things I could complain about, but I was shockingly surprised myself by telling myself, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then I got up and I was choosing to be in a good mood. And, and so I definitely felt a difference in my spirit and in my mood just because of that simple choice. So it was, it was good. I remembered what I wanted to tell you. Mm. I want to give a shout out. Can you believe it? <laughs> I'm doing a shout out. To one of our dear listeners in, she didn't say what city, two hours north of Huntington. Yeah. Wherever that's at. Yes. So we want to say hello, and we're so thankful that you're a um, faithful listener and that we are glad that you're here, and we just want to say hello, and God bless you. Yes. <laughs> Is that our one fan, Carol? <laughs> I hope not. No, we have other people. We have other faith. I have the silent, as they used to. I guess they still sometimes call it silent majority. Yes. They're just inclined to be someone. They're silent. listening ear, but they, you know, like a fly on the wall. They want to hear what we're saying. Well, the reason I ask you about how your life was, and, and interesting. Of course, yes, and of course, all those things are are. <laughs> and I appreciate you incredibly. And and we had we're talking a bit even before we started to record today's broadcast podcast about testimonies and testif testifying to ourselves and, mm -hmm. and, and of course um, you know we want to be a good testimony and we certainly want to be discouraging in any way shape or form to anybody and, and uh, with that then we're not going to be complainers and, and with that we're going to take everything that happens to us and the oddity is sometimes God, I know all the time sometimes, sometimes I listen all the time, God gives me information, advice before it happens. I just don't pay attention. Uh, but certainly after the fact, the only reason I know that fact is after the fact, I analyze it. I thought, yeah, God told me that. Mm -hmm. And so in that sort of way, we do that bit of self-analysis. And, and as we then turn that outward in testimony to other people, we do not want to be a discouragement in any way, shape, or form. And so we always end up saying... God is good. <laughs> and there's nothing at all either wrong with that or not factual. I guess not factual about that and thus wrong with that. Uh, but it isn't always good in the sense. God is always good. But the situation circumstances of our life aren't always good or ideal. That's for sure. And we're not going to necessarily go around and tell folks about that. But the Bible does. <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead. Today's podcast broadcast, which I again rarely do. I don't. It wasn't scripted, but it was thought through. I'm going to call it prevention. Okay. 
So I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and I'm going to try to do this somewhat quickly so we don't use a lot of our air time, <laughs> time on the air or on the podcast, but it's important. Uh, starting with, again, Galatians 5, starting with verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you would be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, which is sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, wrath, factions, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderings, or murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, or time past, that they who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let's not, let us not be desirous of vainglorying or vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And that concludes Galatians chapter 5. Now, Carolyn, I'm sure that is not an exhaustive list that Paul gave us of either. <laughs> I think the fruit of the Spirit is pretty complete. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, Galatians 5, 22 on through 26. But when it comes to all the evils, mm -hmm. <laughs> the works of the flesh, I'm sure that that's not an ex exhaustive list. And there's a bunch of stuff that I've probably found myself in. I don't know if they're better or lesser than any of these horrible things, but there are probably other things that didn't make the list, Paul's list. Here's my point, though. The great testimony is the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Right. And obviously, if we are of the Lord or in the Lord, or we accept Jesus or have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and thus in Jesus, in the Word and living Word, mm -hmm. then after the fact... We're going to recognize the fruit of the Spirit. It's by contrast, which I think Paul's doing in this passage. He's contrasting the two. This is the work of the flesh. This is the work of the Spirit. And to the extent and degree that the law was constructed for anything, it was just that. It's a warning. It's to prevent you from getting into any undue trouble. And with that, I suppose, it is a, a way to begin to measure what is trouble. Right. That's what I was thinking. The contrast. Mm -hmm. And so much so then to be in the spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand the parts about the warning. Prevention. <laughs> why, why do I want to create problems for myself? I ask myself that not only every day, but several times, maybe many times throughout the day. Why do I want to create problems for myself? And you could argue, well, it's in you too, right? That's the concept of original sin. That's the flesh. You know, maybe it goes without conscious thought. I don't know. But I do know this. Until I know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, it was wise, not my wisdom, but God such to give me the law so I don't end up destroying myself and I don't destroy the people around me. And so life for everybody could be a little bit better. Why? Because I'm at least thinking in those kind of advanced or forward sort of ways. And with that, I had this internal struggle with my humanity. 
which is what the law is intended to help me do. Now, I still have to struggle with that. There's still a bit of self-discipline that goes with that. I don't think there's anything about what God told me to do in terms of the law that was bad. I don't think the law is bad. I don't even think it's ineffectual. I'd much prefer to live with a neighbor who understands the Old Testament than to live with a heathen who maybe understands the Old Testament or somebody worse. Somebody who decides they're not going to at all give God any respect or the word as God gave it to us any respect. But as much as all of that is better than nothing, the good the best is to live by the Spirit, in which I think the Apostle Paul is mentioning. But what does that mean? I think it means certainly an attitude, which I believe after you understand the law and the purposes, there's an attitude that basically goes along with that. I don't want to do that, hopefully. Uh, where does that come from? Supposedly then, purportedly, maybe, as with word, there's an element of conscience that, that convicts us. But I don't know that that's Holy Spirit stuff. Let of the Spirit. I think there's a dimension of that in all humanity. We, God created us to know what's not right and what is, um, arguably at times. But the only way we're really going to be able to abide in righteousness or that right is by way of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people try to do with the Holy Spirit the end. And remember, Moses could not see the hinder parts. Mm -hmm. The end, they want to do that from the beginning. And I wish it were to be such that you could then somehow make yourself holy. Through the Spirit, through motive, without all the other stuff that I just mentioned. But I don't think that's true. I don't think there's any way in the world that in their human dimension, excuse me, <clears throat> we could be that holy or that righteousness. Or that level, achieve that level of righteousness, that righteous. It is only through Christ and Christ who liveth in me and the Holy Spirit, which Jesus otherwise resurrected or brought back to life in me, am I able to do that? But I know a lot of people who try to do the Galatians 5.22 thing first and just say, well, I'm going to be this. And if I can be all of these things, or even in that same spirit of the Old Testament or the law, I'm just going to make myself all these things. <laughs> You're shaking your head. The listeners can't see you because we're not intelligent. But... We wanted to do a visual, though. I thought a camera might work because you're, you're, the way you roll your eyes is incredible. <laughs> you were, I know that's an inside joke, but you were doing some of that same thing. What's wrong with that way of thinking? I don't think, well, I, I guess I'd be lying. You, you, I've been bested um, by my facial expressions. There's, there's nothing, quote, wrong with wanting to live by the fruit of the Spirit. I think that you said it when we go right to that first and then we try to do all those things and, and perhaps in the power of the Holy Spirit. But the law came first. Mm -hmm. And so there's instructions for us. There's warnings. There's boundaries. I was thinking about how um, when Moses and the people had the boundary lines like drawn. And I used to read a story to Connor when, when he was little and this little boy you know, went up to the flag. They they imagined it was a flag, something, and they, you know, they said, "Oh no, we can't go past that." And the little boy was like, "Well, why?" And they said, "Because Moses told us not to. God said not to." And the little boy struggled. He didn't understand why can't we go past the boundary line? 
So we all we all kind of struggle with that. Why can't we go past this boundary, or why can't we go right up against it and not cross it? That that's a, a big struggle well, for some people. And I again, in the same sort of way, am very thankful, especially as I look back on it, that my mom and dad cared enough to teach me or attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they weren't perfect either. And and that's something you just have to come to a realization of as well is. They don't have to be perfect to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect to be perfect. We just have to try really, really hard and have good motive, good attitude, good intention. These are all human dimension. A want, a will, a desire to choose not only word, but to live it. Get it? Word, Old Testament, living word, New Testament. And, and I know that sounds too simple, but it really only becomes as complex as we fail to realize all these things that we that the Apostle Paul was describing, all the bad things in that passage, Galatians 5, all of those things we are. And if you begin again with that premise, I don't don't go out and do them. <laughs> That's the whole idea of prevention. I don't want to tell anybody to go out and do them. But you have to realize that is the end of humanity. All those things, the depravity, the isolation, the separation from God, the murders. Left I mean, to ourselves. That that's is, what we I mean, well, that is the end of humanity. If unsanctified. Mm-hmm. That's what we become. And the word washes us, Old Testament, the law, cleanses us when we do not yet know Christ or are at the age of accountability. At that point where we can accept Him and understand it in its fullest dimensions, what it is that we're doing. Because there's a will dimension to that, right? Understanding isn't enough. You have to understand it enough to say, I am going to listen when you talk to me before I do something. Mm-hmm. I said that at the very beginning of the podcast. I'm going to hear it first. Or at least if I don't hear it, I'm going to trust that if I get any, can't hear with my ears, if I get any Inkling? Inclination. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't know why. I'm not going to like Connor. I'm not going to ask the question why. Or a little boy of the story. Why? I'm just, but to do that, I have to understand. I am not sanctified by anything that I do in the flesh. Right. The, the law is there to sanctify me. Mm-hmm. To keep me from harming myself and other people. To keep me from ending up where humanity ends up. But it doesn't sanctify me of myself. It's the Holy Spirit. But if I put on the New Testament, the living word, in the same dimension of the Old Testament, I'm still not going to be sanctified. I'm just going to be even more angry, more frustrated. Because it's come to my realization, at that point, hopefully, not only that I needed Jesus, accept Him as Lord and Savior, but I'm still trying to drive the car, steer the boat, Mm -hmm. get the outcome. And that's not how it works. We don't put on anything. We don't become anything. Now, again, I'm glad my mom and dad taught me because they said, well, you know, don't touch a hot stove. You're going to get burnt, right? And, and so if you touch a hot stove, you discover, well, they weren't lying to you. They were telling the truth. And you can go touch a hot stove. Hopefully, if you survive it, it's not too horrible. And I'm sure others have been hurt traumatically by that. So I want to be very respectful of anybody out there who's listening who may have had that level of trauma with fire, etc. So I apologize. But it is a common example. But do I need to go around touching hot stoves or putting myself, unless I'm a fireman? And then you have to question. <laughs> Even with all that, why do firemen go back into buildings like that? Other than for the sake of helping somebody. 
which gets to our testimonies. But the idea, though, is the only way that I'm really saved is through the Holy Spirit. And I don't have anything to do with that except to allow that to happen. But all my will and attitude, I want to prevent it. I don't want to get in trouble. I want to stay out of trouble. Listen to your mom and dad. Read the Word. Do what the Old Testament tells you to do. There's nothing wrong with that level of sanctification. And should, for whatever reason, you get tripped up along the way, and you were talking about that, where you don't always hear, or you hear, but you don't always listen... (laughs) Or you listen, but you don't always do. Or you're in some state of whatever, bad apostasy. You know, rebelliousness. Thank God, though, you can see it even in a literal term. So you don't cross the street, a busy street, and get run over by a car. I know, again, there's plenty of people out there as adults who by accident have found themselves in that circumstance. And I don't want to be minimizing of that. Accidents happen. But to take an attitude of prevention is never wrong, except to say this. The law will not save you because accidents happen. Now hang there just for a minute with me. The law will not save you because accidents happen. And all I mean by that is you can't be perfect in the law and accidents are still going to happen. <laughs> Some might say the human experiment, if you, if you want to use that terminology, might have been seen as like just filled full of all this, these accidents, aberrations, permutations, things that are different. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can look at that from a lot of different lenses. But even in science, creativity, accidents happen even with your best efforts to prevent them. But it doesn't mean it's going to kill you, and it doesn't mean that the law is ineffective or wrong. It just means what do you do when you've done your best and bad things still happened? Who do you blame? How do you process that? How do you see that? You know, do you hunker down and say, well, I'm just going to try harder? Because if you get preoccupied with the law, that's all that's going to happen. Right, right. that's going to be on us. It's going to be on us to fix it. And therein lies the problem because we can't fix it. And I feel like we'll struggle and we'll use all our strength. We'll use everything up in us to try to make that happen. And it just can't without, without completely surrendering to the Holy Spirit and allowing that process to happen. Uh, there was a song, I'm not sure what it was, on the way to work this morning. And it was talking about God's faithfulness and come what may. It's a song by We Are Messengers called Come What May, and it said, you know, he would still praise him and, and follow him and trust him, come what may, and whatever happens, and he was naming off these things, and and then he goes in, part of, sings part of Psalm 23, but I was thinking about, he mentioned like, you know, a horrible time or, you know, something where we had no hope or something, and I was thinking back, you know, when was a time like that? And a couple of times came to my mind where I felt completely, you know, like you said, just um, when the bad things happen and how do we process that? And the thing that I just remember was I just had to completely turn to God. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't use my own strength. And the Holy Spirit was there and ministered to me, and it was beautiful, but I just had to basically, you know, trust him and let those emotions, those feelings happen and know that bad things happen. But without the Holy Spirit, without being able to just kind of fall on God in that moment, 
That's the only way I know to well, deal with it. And, and that is the fruit of the Spirit, as I read earlier. Mm-hmm. Love. And love always includes forgiveness. And that stuff is in the past. And, and once more, I, I learn from your mistakes. That's also what I was trying to say at the very beginning of the podcast broadcast That's today. hard. <laughs> it is hard. Because you got to look at the accident. And you got to figure out whose fault was it. You know, then we you got to go through the fault. insurance company. Then you got to go before the judge. And I mean, I know it doesn't always turn out that way. Accident forgiveness. <laughs> and I won't name the company. But the notion, though, is you could take out insurance all you want, but it's not assurance that it isn't going to happen. Right. And the only assurance that we have is that, yes, it's, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I hope it doesn't happen today, tomorrow. I hope it never happens. Hope, hope, hope. But it's going to happen. And it may not be your fault. And it may not be something that you could either easily discern. It may be something you discern and you even did the best you could to prevent it, took precautions, but you couldn't because it was still the will of God that it happened. Mm -hmm. Or maybe somebody else was just stumbling around in the dark, which there's a lot of folks out there who don't know Jesus, the equivalent, that's what I was trying to say earlier. I'd much prefer to live next to a neighbor who understands in a literal sense the law so we don't, he doesn't come over or she doesn't, whoever it is doesn't come over and bring their darkness into my light Mm -hmm. (laughs) because accidents happen. And they don't do so well. But people who otherwise are groping for, grasping for some understanding after the fact, they usually give up if they don't come to Jesus. They give up, especially if they can't come to Jesus and understand the message of Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, the divine nature. Because you'll never look at that. Mm -hmm. You'll just look at that and say, it's failure, failure, failure. Or you'll look at that and never do it again. Just avoid it altogether. Or you'll look at that and say, failure, failure, failure. I'm going to make sure next time you don't get me and I'm not going to get me. Nobody's going to get me because I'm going to be the baddest. I guess, which means the toughest or whatever. I could be the prevent this from happening again. But you can't. You can't, you can't, can't. Because in the end, you end in death. It ends in death. That's the salvation message. That's why I think the Apostle Paul says you're no longer bound by the law. But he doesn't say that to a group of people who doesn't understand the purposes of the law or haven't knowledge been taught. He says that to people who know. But now that they know and they realize what we have just tried to explain in 22 minutes, now you can understand then the impact of looking at somebody and saying, I know you tried the hardest you could. You did everything you possibly could. I know you tried to prevent this. That was something that you just could. And God understands. So not only you're forgiven, don't condemn yourself. Forgive yourself even as God's forgiven you. But in that same sort of way, trust that God still has it all in order. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, as much as I'm forgiven, you're forgiven. As much as you're forgiven, somebody else is. And in that sanctification, if we allow that to be that method of sanctification, grace, mercy, mm-hmm. forgiveness, mm-hmm. the whole world becomes forgiven. Mm-hmm. But people resist. They feel inferior, they feel inadequate as a result of they got that failure identity, failure, failure, failure. I said that earlier. They don't they don't believe it. I think they want it most, except that they would be so angry and bitter they bitter. Re- Yeah, they just reject it. Mm-hmm. They hate you because you seem to got it all. 
you seem to have. No, I just understand how to live and walk in grace and mercy and forgiveness. Exactly. I have people, you just described somebody to a T. I have people like that in my life. And we just had a conversation about that. And I just want to say like would you just allow the holy spirit to speak to you and minister to you because that person they they want to look at all the failures and now they're bitter and then they look at me and it's easy to point fingers at me you know as if nothing bad ever happens to me of course you know and so you were talking about accidents happen um we sort of and I just listened to a series of sermons. It was great about that. To pre-plan, to think about how we're going to respond when these things happen. It's great. And so, you know, to sort of have a mindset that it's going to happen. We're going to fail or somebody else is going to fail and it's going to, you know, um, fall on us somehow. And we're going to get affected, be affected by that. But that person asked me about you know, how I was able to, to um, acquire something. And I said, well, we have an emergency fund. We prepare for such things. Oh, well, you know, I have that, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so it just, I don't know, it just spoke to me when, when they said that because I just felt like it's, like it's that way in our spiritual life. We know things are going to happen, but it's kind of like, well, I'll deal with that then. You know, I, I, that's not going to happen to me. But accidents happen, and bad things happen, and we have to know who to turn to in that moment, or who's going to help us in that moment. And, and we should never turn. And you, and I know you would say this, but I'm just emphasizing. I'm going to switch mm-hmm. saying, but I'm going to emphasize. Okay. We should never turn our hand or our back or turn our back on a brother or sister in Christ or brother or sister, period, whether they know Jesus or not. We should help people and be benevolent. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. But I think that what you're speaking to is some people don't come to that knowledge. I love that person. And they don't don't understand. Everybody has to be sanctified by the law. Yeah. I mean, you've got to come to a realization of ownership mm-hmm. of some dimension of this. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, then you're just leaning upon everybody Blaming. else to save you. Yes. And then some people will use that, whether consciously or not, mm-hmm. and they run a game. They spend their whole life allowing you to take care of them. Yeah. And, and they feel this failure. And you keep saying, no, but that is not how it works. You have to. Mm-hmm. You have to own it yourself. Mm-hmm. The law says all have sinned. Falling right. short of the glory of God, right. and we need to. Accept, but once you accept that, mm-hmm. and then you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then the law no longer applies. But up to that point, then you need to abide by the law. You can't be lawless. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So I've got another passage. Okay. Because we have a guest today. We always run out of all these good topics and run out of time. <laughs> so we're going to go to Second Peter, and I'm going to start with this chapter one. And I'm going to start with verse 4. By which are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, 
and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never, or ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if this is exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying in Galatians 5, particularly 5.22, but it's got the same dimensions. The reason that I go here, concurrent validity besides that, but the idea though is, is that I think Peter captures it maybe a bit better in that he begins with the premise, you've got to make your way to. Now, he's not saying you work your way to. He's not even saying you earn your way to. What you're doing is you're recognizing there are stages. And they correspond with the Apostle Paul, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. And with that, they may represent developmental milestones. Now, I know that sounds a little bit like, oh, well, that's humanism. Well, it is because we're talking about humans. And I think Peter captures that in this way. You need to understand there is a sequence. It all begins with faith and it ends with love. But along the way, you don't work to earn it. What you do is you work to make sure you can enjoy it. You can receive it. Because the love is God. God lives in those who have accepted Jesus. As, he doesn't those who haven't accepted Jesus. But they fight against it and eventually win. In a flesh sort of way. They can condemn themselves to hell. God would never condemn anybody to hell. He says, accept the gift, accept the gift, accept. And that's it. It's a gift. It's in us. It's Christ in us. It's, he is the Holy Spirit. He, 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 Christ in us. That is life. But you've got to get your flesh out of the way. So if you're working to do anything, it's to not get in the way. It's to understand... I'm glad mom and dad had <laughs> at least enough courage. I'm glad mom and dad told me what was right, what was wrong. I'm glad mom and dad set up rules. I'm glad mom and dad had punishments or consequences. I know we don't like to talk about punishment anymore. But consequences, positive reinforcement. Consequences for my misbehaviors. Help me learn how to override my lust. You know, my ADD, impulse, hyperactive, attention deficit stuff. And with that, then be able to hear God's word. And it doesn't all come out. I know that was kind of maybe not the right way to describe it, describe it but fear is the same way. If you're emotionally thinking and you're afraid, you're not going to hear God's word. Because your brain is screaming, this is going to kill me, or this is horrible, or this is awful, or why did this bad thing happen? I must have done something wrong. Somebody else is doing something wrong to me. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> yes, it does, because I, I understand how a person can get to that point. The, the problem is, is staying in that point because I feel like I'm not going to sit here and act like I've never questioned or you know even blamed or been that person that you were describing but I didn't stay there so when I see a person that stays there and struggles and scratches and claws and and works like a dog for this holiness that 
we don't have to work, quote, work for. There is, you know, an amount of effort that's put forth, but it's not working for our holiness. And I just, I, I, I want the right words. I want God to be able to use me in a way that shows them love, like you said earlier, and it would never be my intention to point my finger because I have been that person. But I didn't want to stay there because it feels uncomfortable. I think the Holy Spirit leads you to those other things. The difference when you said, and then we end in love. So there's that sequence. And I always want to continue moving forward because we're always moving, whether it's forward or backward, but we're, we're moving. So I struggle with that because I want to be a witness to this person and, and be a light. But at the same time, if they're not willing to listen or they're not ready to hear it, then I'm, I'm at a the, stopping point. They have to want to grow up. And, and yeah. maybe I can say it that way. You have to want to grow up. You can't be a child your whole life. Mm-hmm. And whatever it is that's good about innocence and all that about kids, I love it. I love kids. But there's nothing like an adolescent or a child that should be taking on responsibility for themselves. You have to want to grow up. You have to cooperate in growing up. Otherwise, you get stuck and you don't grow up. And there's a model of parenting called authoritative inductive and it's got the same dimensions of psychological terms. But the authoritative part is you can teach somebody and teach somebody and teach somebody. And you can even give them space to grow and learn in. But if they don't want to, for whatever reason they're choosing not to, then you can't make anybody grow up. They have to want to grow up. But it's the same thing about Jesus. You can't make anybody except Jesus is Lord and Savior. Right. God can't even make us because of the, the way he designed it with choice in mind and the human creation. And maybe for all of these things we talked about, just for the life, the material dimension of life, it's just part of it that we have a choice. But you've got to want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's the same as wanting to grow up. And when the Apostle Paul speaks to in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, about thinking as a child but putting away childish things... These three, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these. That's what he's talking about. It's all about, the Bible's all about growing up. But you have to do that in two dimensions. You have to grow up in the flesh, the material dimension as God has designed us, marvelously so. As well as then you have to come to, when you get to that point of making that choice, you have to, age of accountability, you have to grow up as with Jesus. And say, okay, now that I know right from wrong, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to try to help everybody the best way I can. The rich young ruler. What more? You have to sell it all at that point. (laughs) You don't have to sell it all. You just have to turn it all over to God and Jesus. But that's where people get stuck. They do get stuck there. And with that, then, they can spend a long time. In purgatory. <laughs> They're good people. They do good things and they, you know, they help everyone and they have all these great attributes. And I just want to look at them and say, oh, that's great. <laughs> but if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, all that doesn't matter. You're just a really good person. And I, I struggle with that. <laughs> well, it's not going to save anybody. It's yeah. kind. Yeah. And it may be putting on the fruit of the right. Spirit in that way. And, and again, I'm glad that they recognize virtue. Mm-hmm. But if you want salvation, not only do you have to understand that, but you have to understand 
the even better covenant promise of grace and mercy. Because nobody gets out of this world without mistakes and don't commit right. don't commit an unpardonable mistake mm-hmm. by <laughs> refusing to accept forgiveness and the need for yeah. it and to accept Jesus as your Lord People and Savior. People have a hard time forgiving their so- themselves, him, herself. They have a hard time with that, though. It's a lot easier said than done. It is. But that's, again, why Jesus came. And as we've been talking about in the podcast broadcast, the testimony is is a living word testimony, and we are ambassadors indeed of Christ. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be back in a moment with our guest. Again, I'll remind our listeners, you're listening to Covenants with Dr. Michael David Clay, Carolyn Barnett, and uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care and Christian Counseling, Co-sponsored by the Word House Incorporated and Focus Consultation Services. This is Carolyn Barnett. Yes, I have been left to my own devices here. I should say David's devices. And I will be talking with our guest today, Kendra Ross. She is back with us, if you remember, a couple episodes ago. And she was sharing with us regarding homeschooling and specifically classical conversations there is a local chapter of that. And did you say that is worldwide, right, Kendra? Yes. Yes, it's in 51 countries. Wow. Yeah. So this is no small potatoes. This is a great organization. And we have our own local chapter of it, which Kendra is over in Barbersville, correct? Yes. And correct. so we wanted to let her share a little bit more in depth about this uh, conversation we had regarding homeschooling and what that means and for those that have been interested in it and could not and those with questions so um, Kendra why don't you share a little bit about some of the things that we didn't get to get through last time absolutely thank you so much for having me Mm -hmm. Um, I will start with some where I left off last time Um, I'm going to give a little introduction I guess you could say maybe to CC in addition to what I've already covered last time Um, classical conversations covers memory work in seven areas math, English grammar, Latin, science, history, geography, and timeline. Um, Some may wonder, timeline, what does that consist of? Well, it starts at creation and goes all the way to the present, and it is world history that has already taken place. So that's what the timeline includes. Um, Hmm. We also add in fine arts and science lessons, which means that this is your main skeleton of curriculum. It's not just a supplement. Okay, so I talked a little bit last time about the classical model, and you and I had already talked about maybe going a little deeper with that. So the classical model, it helps lay the groundwork for lifelong learning in any environment. Classical education resonates with and has roots across many different cultures. It's rooted in and very essence of how people learn which might be expressed differently in the particulars of different cultures, but includes the same elements across the human race because we are all created in the image and likeness of God. I will speak a little bit about the trivium that I mentioned last time I was with you. The trivium consists of the three parts, grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric. I'm going to give you some examples of the trivium, which has extended 
to teach the student the proper use of the tools of learning. There are 15 tools of learning and they are broken into three sets of five. The five core habits of grammar, the repetition that builds knowledge, are naming, attending, memorizing, expressing, and storytelling. And then the student will move on to the five common topics of dialectic. The questions that develop understanding, and those are definition, comparison, relationships, circumstances, and testimony. And then after the child has had that, they will move to the five canons of rhetoric, the artifact that demonstrates wisdom, memory, invention, arrangement, elocution, and delivery. Our modern culture has taught children in the manner of mechanically and by the rule of thumb. For example, teaching a child how to play a song on the piano by simply memorizing the piece. The child has accomplished it well and is quite impressive. However, the child was only taught the one song by memory, not by building a foundation. Building that foundation would have consisted of teaching the scale and how to read music, also the components of the piano, so that the child could pick up any piece of music and master it well. So those are just some differences between using the classical model versus not. Um, so we had talked a few minutes ago, or as you were getting started there, about how do you know when to homeschool, or once you've made that decision, how are you, how are you to be sure? Um, I can't speak for everyone because it's a personal experience, but for myself, I would compare it to any other life-changing situations. My husband and I prayed for some time, and we waited to hear from God, as we know that God speaks to his children in different ways. For us, he gave us a peace and made it seem as if though it was our only option. He gave us the courage to move forward and to begin our journey. He made it very clear to both of us this was the path he wanted for our family. Not only did God guide us in this official decision to become a homeschooling family, he also led us to our homeschooling community through classical conversations. So I'd like to speak just a second about the value of community. A like-minded community is the bedrock of our homeschooling program. The members are knit together like a family. Everyone's strengths and weaknesses are different, so we are able to lock arms with one another, the same as a Christian would with their local church. Having the support of a community enhances the parental duty of education. Having a community both sharpens and humbles its members. So <clears throat> that's a little bit about the CC community. Um, but then we also talked about, well, what if for whatever reason you're not able to homeschool, then what? You know, it sounds great. I love the idea of it and I wish I could, but there's different circumstances in my life that keep me from being able to do it. Well, I understand that as well. So each person's home life is as unique as the individual. Therefore, the things to do at home to supplement would look different for each family. Some suggestions, suggestions that I would offer are family devotionals at bedtime, praying together daily, listening to lots of classical books, either read by the parent or audiobooks are great as well. Everyone enjoys listening to a good story regardless of the age. And it is proven to be beneficial to the brain. So even if your children are already reading and reading well, they still like to be read to. I know I like to be read to. <laughs> okay, so regarding to know God and make him known. First and foremost, you need to find a local church. 
and be joined up with them. Community is so important. Being with like-minded people is important for growth and development. Whether you are in a community with a homeschooling group, such as Classical Conversations, to knit that foundation for home education, or being knit closer to God with the help of a local body of believers, we as humans thrive from being strengthened by those who we have a connection with. So I hope that those options might be something that you could implement into your daily life, even though I know it's already busy, but it's so important to take those few minutes to add in those few things. Great. And I love the ideas that you presented because there are people that maybe want to do this, but cannot for whatever reason. And we're not here to judge that. We're just here to help them supplement what they can do presently and then to add to that. And I heard someone say, a week or so ago, they had a small child that just came to live with them. And so they decided they would do a nightly um, Bible story. And immediately all these images and and memories came back to me because uh, when my son was little, my first son, and I remember buying this little book. It was for boys and it was, you know, little devotions. And I was so excited because there was a next, you know, like an age 9 through 12 and then there was like a 12 through 15 or something and and I looked forward to that but it gave me a little bit of groundwork so that I could add in that little bit even if it was just at bedtime a little bit of a devotional and some questions and a little story but that we can get scripture in and also um, you know being read to and and those those items that you mentioned so How important do you think, Kendra, you mentioned the community, and I want to highlight that a little bit because, especially the past couple years, the isolation has been... It's it's been awful for everyone. It's been horrible, and then (laughs) I'm sure you're well aware of the, um, I think they even uh, come up with, uh, you know, some memes and and things in the the public's eye about uh, parents having to teach your children and homeschooling parents and you know we've been doing this for years what are you complaining about right and so there was um like this contention that kind of came up but i think it all kind of stemmed from that isolation and you know we're we're alone we're trying to do this thing and so how important is it that homeschooling families don't feel alone that they know there's other people out there struggling with the same thing that you're struggling with i would say that it might be number one Wow. It, it might be. And if, if it's not number one, I would say definitely number two mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as on the list of importance. Right. Um, I couldn't imagine going at this alone. It's just mm. like being a Christian. You know, I would compare it to a fire. You know, you take those coals out and if you separate them, just to place them individually, you know, maybe five foot away from the fire, they will burn out very quickly. You keep them all lumped together and say you have a campfire that night, the next morning it's still smoldering. They're still hot. They keep Mm -hmm. heat. So the same as that you can apply that to being a part of a local body, a local church assembly, the same as the homeschooling group. Find some community Mm -hmm. to get knit with because that's going to be what keeps you burning. And that gives you strength and and encouragement and a place to uh, find common 
denominators and, and my daughter sort of yes. going through something similar. She has a son that has now entered. He's not quite two, but she said he's in terrible twos, <laughs> which, you know, that's a little, uh, a, you know, phrase that we use. But, um, I told her that was one of the first thing I told her. I said, you need to find another, you know, some other moms that have kids that age. So you can see this is normal. This, you know, children will do these things and, and then you can commiserate or, you know, celebrate uh, those milestones with someone else at the same time. Absolutely. Because I feel like that's just important. Yes. And so, speaking of my grandson, so I asked you this a little bit um, last week after our, after our broadcast podcast, uh, but I'd like for you to share it on air a little bit. So, grandparents, people that maybe are on the outer edge or on the fringe of the homeschooling scene is there a way and and how does that or what does that look like for them to be involved okay so are you referring to classical conversation community or the home well i would say well why don't you touch on both So within the classical conversations community, now every branch is ran by its local team of directors. So it will look slightly different. Their needs may be slightly different at each campus. Um, For ours, it would be great to have a grandparent to come in and take care of the younger kids that aren't in class or the kids in the afternoon that don't have anywhere to be while they're waiting on their siblings to finish up class. So there's a few different things that would be very helpful. So that, that's as far as classical conversations goes. And you know, every year there's always a different need. So if that's something someone's interested in, then definitely reach out and speak to their local director about that. Now, as far as at home, if you have a homeschooling family member or someone that you know and you just want to extend some kind of service to them, there's so much. I don't even know where I could start. Um, I know myself as a homeschooling mom, I have five littles at home and sometimes my older kids need an extra hour of math uninterrupted and they need my focus or my attention and all while my three-year-old is being very needy. Um, So if someone, a family member or relative would just come in and read to that kid or take him for a walk or, you know, just different things like that would be very beneficial. But once again, every day always looks different. It's never the same. So reach out to those people that you know that homeschool and just say, hey, I have you on my heart. What can I do for you? Can I bring you lunch today? Can I take fixing lunch for your kids off your plate today? Or, you know, can I take the little one for a walk? That's awesome, and I, I feel like that's so needed um, to bring some uh, backup, some <laughs> support, and uh, God knows what we need and when we need it. Yes. And so I feel like if you, if you have that laid on your heart, and I would implore our listeners to to heed to that voice because you know sometimes it's a it's a still small voice, and Absolutely. sometimes it's just a whisper, and then the second passes and then we're off to our next venture or our next chore and then that moment has passed. So if we even have an inkling that we could support someone, I feel like those are great, fantastic ideas. And also within the classical conversation community where they would appreciate probably any and all support (laughs) of anyone that could do that. So, and how long have you been doing this, Kendra? 
homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Um, this is my 10th year, 10 years. Yeah. And so what would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned in those 10 years regarding homeschooling? Oh, wow. Um, that puts me on the spot. Well, but, maybe um, perhaps something that you, that you didn't know about homeschooling. And if someone came to you and was asking, you know, what's homeschooling, what's, you know, one of the biggest things that you've discovered, you know, I, I didn't know this about homeschooling, but it's, Okay, sometimes we get lost in the academic side of homeschooling, mm -hmm. which it's extremely important. But I would say parallel as equally as important, if not more important, the soul. The soul of your mm. child. Um, building that relationship, once again back to the foundation. Building that strong, solid foundation with that child on relationship with their parents, relationship with God, mm. and holding on to that. There's, you know, virtues that are so important that sometimes when we have our kids in other places, such as public school, those things go unnoticed. Those mm -hmm. character qualities don't get developed to the fullest that God would want them to. So that would be something that I would say, don't forget to focus on that moms and dads, regardless of what, what lifestyle you have. So important the strong foundation yes and i think you touched on that the last time we spoke about the importance of the foundation and the community i love the illustration of the coals that just really i'm a visual learner so that really um speaks to me and i believe that that's probably something that needed to be heard because there is that whole component of it that we sort of i don't want to say forget about but it is more than just academics. Absolutely. So it is more than just learning and, and we're going we're gonna to learn this way and we're going to learn at home and I'm going to be your teacher. Right. And would you say that that's a common misperception, misconception yes. of homeschooling? Absolutely. It's like, oh, I can't teach my kid to read or I can't teach my kid algebra. Mm -hmm. You know, there are so many tools out there nowadays, especially with the internet and curriculum and books and tutors that you can hire when you get hung up and those things that you will find in community mm -hmm. through other people. But the soul, the inward man, that mm -hmm. is the number one focus. Isn't that mm -hmm. why we're here? And obviously, yes, of course. And obviously if you, if you follow that calling, that leading to homeschool, then we can trust that he will provide with all these resources. Absolutely. So, so it's not necessarily, you know, a bad thing to Google something. Am oh, I? no. No, not at all. It's, it's not cheating. It's not, you know, oh, well, I'm supposed to know everything. Yeah. Knowing your resources and knowing how to use them. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then to impart that wisdom onto them so that they can, because there's a lot of good things that you know the internet kind of sort of gets a uh, bad rap you know at times and, and then there's the whole issue of screen time and and those things come up but much like the television you yes. know it was deemed um what was it called the the devil box or something you know back yes. in the 50s yes um much like that you know there's programming that is pointing people towards christ or even radio broadcasts such as ours so kendra Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you um, taking time out of your day to come here. I know you're a busy woman. Five yes. at home. I have four. I can't imagine another one. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. It has been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I was looking forward to hearing from you again. And our listeners hopefully have received some good information about this because not only is this um, just one type of homeschooling, this is just a tip of the iceberg, would you say? Because there's so many other even groups or chapters of homeschooling. I'm not sure what you call that. Well, there's there's also co-ops that we're not a co-op, but... We are more of a community. There are different, there's so many different ways that you can do this. Mm. It's not just a one size fit all. <laughs> that's, a, that's amazing. And so you can plug in to where you fit and what your family needs and find that perfect fit for you. Yes. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And we're just so blessed to have you. And I'm thankful that, um, that God has allowed us to um, share this with our listeners because it's so needed, so necessary, especially in today's world where we are struggling to um, come together and and so much division. And and when we find that community and that support and encouragement, I love that. And, you know, I love people, so it just uh, warms my heart and my soul because that is the basis especially in classical conversations, to know him and to make him known. Okay, I said that right. Good job. (laughs) Yeah, I try. So, but anyway, I am so glad you came, Kendra. And we hope to hit on this even maybe perhaps again in the future. Uh, We will keep our listeners um, aware of what's happening. And who knows, perhaps we have Kendra back on again. (laughs) She can become a regular guest. Uh, But anyway, you are listening to What is Covenants, Pastoral Care and Christian Counseling, sponsored by, co-sponsored by the Word House Incorporated and Focus Consultation Services. So we want our listeners to know that you have a place that you can plug in, whether it be in homeschooling, in a body of faith that is in your community, there is a place for you. And it's so important that you find that place. And we have talked about isolation and things here recently. And so I want to encourage our listeners to find that person, that group, that church, that small group, whatever it may look like, to encourage each other, to keep those coals together so that we can burn uh, for Christ in our daily life, not just once a week in a building. Yes. So, um, anyhow, once our listeners get uh, used to David talking, then I have to, <laughs> I have to live up to his uh, his ideals here as we close out our program today. I want to thank our listeners once again for listening to What Is Covenants, and if you would like to get a hold of us, or perhaps you would like to get in touch with Kendra, Kendra, what would be the best way they could get a hold of you? Um, go to www.classicalconversations.com and search for a campus near me. Um, you can put in Barbersville zip code or your local zip code, and you should be able to get plugged into a campus. Awesome. Classicalconversations.com. And if you'd like to get with Covenants, go to our Facebook page under Covenants or give us a call, 304-528-9220. You can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you, and uh, we know we have listeners out there. We actually heard from one, Kendra. We were 
<laughs> happy Yay! to hear from our, we know there's more, but we had someone reach out and we're so grateful for our listeners, but, um, we love them and, um, we love you, Kendra. We appreciate you. And so I want to, once again, say you have been listening to Covenants. You can also find our podcast broadcast, not only on our Facebook page, but also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So once again, we will see you next time. God bless.